Yeah, Shalom from uh, the Galilee, from Tiberius, the Morning Star Fellowship. We're very happy to be with you uh, this morning. As you um, may guess, since we are from Israel, I, I would like to speak, um, well, about Israel, but uh, more precisely about the Jewish people. Uh, I know it's a theme that today is... Uh, well, let's say, uh, to be mild, it's um, far misunderstood, but um, I know that uh, Israel has a lot of enemies in the world, and we expected it, actually, because we know that at some point, according to the book of Zechariah, all nations, I, I guess it, it, it's not going to be all nations, uh, but all nations will come against uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a stumbling block for the nations, it's a long story. It has uh, various reasons, but uh, the world doesn't like what God is doing. And God has uh, worked through Israel. He will continue to work through Israel for the blessing of the nations. And uh, uh, in order to start understanding, because it's a vast topic, I mean, we could uh, have several seminars on that, on the topic, which is, it's fascinating. Uh, in order to start understanding, I would like to uh, um, go with you through quite a few verses in the Bible that show us God's love, God's particular love for Israel. Now, I want to be clear from the beginning, I do not believe that God loves Israel more than any other nation. But uh, I do believe, according to the scriptures, that God has a particular love for Israel and a particular plan for Israel that is widely misunderstood today. But uh, it's always for the benefit of the nation. I'll give you just paraphrase uh, one verse from Paul who says, uh, what will be when they, their fullness come, if not... Uh, um, life from the dead. It will be life from the dead. When the Jews start to receive the Lord, it's, it's the prophetic clock of the church. It's, uh, it means Jesus is coming. It's life from the dead. Uh, and today we see the Jews coming to the Lord. We're just two examples here. But there are many, many more in Israel and in many places in the world. So I want to start with Isaiah 5. Verse 1, Isaiah 5, verse 1. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my, of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. And you know, you can, since uh, the church has always spiritualized everything uh, in, in the scriptures, you could say the vineyard is... It's, it's us. It's, and it's true. I, I Actually, I love to spiritualize verses because you can find very profound uh, uh, truth about us, about the church and about our soul, you know, about what the Lord is saying to us. But if you look at verse 7, we understand who the vineyard is. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel. And in order for us not to 
misinterpret he, here what it says, because you could say, oh, the house of Israel, it's the church. It, it goes on to say, and the men of Judah, a Jewish tribe, are the garden of his delight. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed for righteousness, but heard cries of distress. So, we don't understand. You, you know, on the one hand, he says, my beloved, and this vineyard is mine, you know. Uh, he's speaking with love. And on the other hand, he, he says, I don't see any righteousness in her. Well, of course, she's not saved yet. So, he doesn't see any... Uh, I mean, righteousness comes with, with Christ. I, I don't know of yeah. any way <laughs> that we can be righteous, you know. And, and so, he, he says, that, you know, that I see bloodshed, I see... But still, there is this declaration of love... And so we're, we're a little bit confused. And, and this is one of the reasons why a lot of, of Christians didn't quite understand. And see, we'll read on and we, we, we'll see what kind of conclusions you, you, we can come uh, to. Isaiah 5, uh, in verse, on verse 5. Now, now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge. And it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. It will be destroyed. This verse and many others have been taken by what is called replacement theology. And they said, you see, God is destroying. He's destroying Israel. We, the church, replace Israel. Well, you know, this verse was written 2,700 years ago. And Israel has not been destroyed. So, what does it mean? <laughs> what is going on? He said, I will destroy Israel. He doesn't destroy Israel. And in 1948, he establishes the state of Israel, the nation of Israel, and millions of Jews come back to Israel as a fulfillment of prophets, of prophecies in the book of Jeremiah and elsewhere in the scriptures. So, when he says destroy, let's see what he means. Verse 13. Therefore, my people will go into exile ah, for lack of understanding. Their men of rank will die in hunger and their masses will be parched with thirst. He will discipline them. And this is true for us, but it's true for Israel in the last 2,000 years or more. We've seen how Israel was disciplined and it's hard. You know, we've seen uh, the Crusaders, the Inquisition, the pogroms, the Holocaust, uh, the, the War of 1948 and the War of 1956, 1967, 1973, the War of Lebanon, the First War of Lebanon, the Second War of Lebanon, the, the last Hamas war, terrorism, and it goes on. You know, you just go to your TV screen and you will see... Israel is being disciplined. And so, uh, but it's not destroyed. So we see that God keeps Israel because he has a plan. He wants to show his glory. And how can he show his glory? Will he show his glory through a righteous nation? No, because then the, this nation would, would receive the glory. But he picks up the tiny, a tiny people. He picks up a people who is not righteous, righteous, and he says, you will see how I turn this people into what I want them to be. And then you will see my glory. This is what the Lord wants to, to do. 
And uh, in Hosea 2, uh, you know, after, in, in the prophets, and especially the small prophets, uh, God is very angry with Israel, very angry with Israel, and he threats, and he, but, uh, look what he says in Hosea 2, from verse 14. Therefore, I am now going to allure her, I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There, I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. And these words, if you read the context of Hosea, speak, speaks about Israel. The Lord has a problem. He is passionately in love with a woman, and this woman is Israel. You see, and we see it in the scriptures very clearly. He has a problem, because his righteousness says, destroy them. Destroy them. But then he says, I, I just can't. I just can't. I love these people. And, and, and he shows it many, many times. And he shows it today. You know, actually, the last war with the Hamas could have been, I mean, it was supposed to be devastating. It was su supposed, just, can you imagine, uh, tunnels coming underneath hundreds of houses, hundreds of places in Britain, and terrorists popping up on one day, the day of uh, the trumpet, the Feast of the Trumpet. This was their plan just to attack Israel like that, by surprise. It would have been a, a, a disaster. But at the right time, the Lord gave the Israeli army a wake-up call to say, you have tunnels there. And then uh, this was the main reason for the war. And of course, it's not understood by the nations, because for the nations, you know, I mean, for... Well, I don't want to digress here. But for the last 14 years... We've been under rockets attack. You know, I don't know if, if the elderly ones uh, here uh, may remember or, or maybe their parents remember the V2 coming to London. You know, this is a little bit like that. You know, a rocket comes and you don't know where it's going to fall. And so your children are traumatized. But for the world, it was okay. When Israel decides to defend itself, then there's a problem. And this is not a political thing. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. When they come against Israel, they come against the Lord. Because it's the Lord's plan. And so, this is what we need to understand. And uh, I've written a book about this and the land of Israel I will show it. I mean, we don't have it here, but you can order it very easily. Anyway, uh, Jeremiah 11, verse 15. What is my beloved doing in my temple as she works out her evil schemes with many? You see, he calls her his beloved, although she works evil schemes. This is not logical, you know. But he still persists she is my beloved. When the Lord 
when the Lord uh, uh, decides to love us, it's unconditional love. It doesn't matter what we do. He loves us. He will discipline us, but He loves us. And it says, can consecrated meat avert your punishment when you engage in your wickedness? Then you rejoice. And uh, we, we, we see that you know, even today it goes on. We, we know that uh, the holy land is maybe a holy land, but it's not a holy people. You know, we're not a holy people. And uh, he says in Isaiah 49, Isaiah 49 verse 16, and he speaks to Israel, and this is an amazing verse, because he says, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your words are ever before me. Which means, this is Jesus speaking. I have engraved you on the paws of our hands, which, which means, I remember you took part in the holes that I have in my hands, but it was my plan. You know, when, when, uh, Christians, uh, I remember when we were little kids and they were accusing, uh, uh, Christian boys accused us, you killed Jesus. And you know, actually, if we had not killed Jesus, we would all be still in our sins. So thank God for the Jews, you know. Thank God. Because it was, I mean, uh, uh, Jesus says, my life, I have, I decide to give it, you know. It's not, nobody can take his life. He decides to give his life for us. And so, uh, he says, I have given you in, on the palms of my hands. And instead of saying, now I'm going to take my revenge on you, he says, your walls are ever before me. The Lord's eyes are continuously on this land and the walls of Jerusalem are before his eyes, before the Lord. He remembers his people. Psalm 106. Verses 30 and 31. Remember this story when the, uh, this, uh, Jew came with, came into the camp with, uh, the, uh, I think it was a Midianite woman, an idol worshiper. And he came, uh, to bring her and lay with her in, in uh, his mother's, uh, tent, I think. And so it says, but, Phinehas stood up and intervened, and the plague was checked. This was credited to him as righteousness for endless generations to come. Why was this credited to him as uh, righteousness? Because God wanted to stop the plague. He didn't want to punish his people. God is in love with his, his people, and when his people suffers under the rod, he suffers. It's, it's like the relation between a father and a son. And, and so uh, he is uh, grieved when he sees sin because he knows that the consequence, consequence of sin will be discipline and it will, it will be hard. But uh, uh, Finhas here acted as an intercessor. And actually in the last maybe 50 years, you wouldn't imagine the, 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 
the quantity, the millions and millions of, of Christian intercessors for Israel that the Lord has risen everywhere. Just in, in Britain, 400 uh, prayer groups for Israel. But many, many more in China. Uh, today, there are 3,000 Chinese, Christian Chinese, who say, who are in Israel and who say, uh, we have been called by the Lord to come to Israel, to bless Israel, to pray for Israel. Millions and millions of Chinese receive the Lord and they pray for Israel. Indonesia, many Muslim countries, the Christians, though even those who are persecuted, they pray for Israel. It's a, it's a movement that has spread. Although in the West we see still uh, opposition and replacement theology, but in the East, in Africa, in India, thousands and millions uh, get organized. They pray for Israel because they recognize that God is going to do something through this people. He started with this people. He's going to end the whole story, you know, not in New York, but in Jerusalem. Uh, with his, his people, through his people, to bless the nation. And he, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives and he will establish his kingdom for 1,000 years. Thank you, Lord. So, we, we are living in exciting times because we see the fulfillment of prophecies, you know, one after the other. And, and so, uh, we see how, uh, well, actually, you know, what grieves me is, is that uh, the church is split in the middle. Some who see what the Lord is doing and they see the, the prophecies concerning Israel being fulfilled. Uh, for instance, the establishment of the state of Israel, Isaiah 66, verse 7 to 9. The coming back, the return of the Jews, Jeremiah 31, 7 to 9. Uh, um, and uh, Jeremiah uh, 16, I think it's from verse 14. Then uh, the salvation of the Jews. Isaiah 45, 17, Romans uh, eleven twenty five. all Israel will be saved. You know, he speaks about Israel in Romans 9, 10 and 11. He says, my anguish is for them to be saved. Because he knew why. And so, on the one hand, you have this a church in the world that, that sees this and they, they say, oh, wow, you know, one after the other, these prophecies get fulfilled. So it means he's, he's at the door. We, we, we better be ready. And the other church is completely oblivious and com continues on, on some track, you know, that is, it's like uh, on our set nav, you know, sometimes you see, uh, the car is off the road, you know, it's like, where are we going? <laughs> but this is what happens with a church that uh, uh, completely forgot its roots and that completely forgets what the Bible says because there is a church that doesn't read the Bible. You know, uh, the Bi people don't read the Bible anymore. You know, I go I go to many places and sometimes you know when I I quote the verses. People look at me and I have the impression that they don't even know where, what book I'm quoting from, you know. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> well, anyway, this is the, this is the way it goes today, you know. Uh, so, Jeremiah 30, 
verse 11. And, and, and because of all this, the Lord shows us uh, his, uh, the way he deals with Israel and the way he deals with the nations. Jeremiah 30 verse 11. I am with you and will save you. He says about Israel. Declares the Lord. Though I completely destroy all the nations among which I scatter you. I will not completely destroy you. I will discipline you. But only with justice. I will not let you go entirely unpunished. You see when he says I will destroy the nations. It means I will destroy the, the spirits at work, uh, the spirit of humanism, the uh, spirit of anti-Semitism, spirit of the Antichrist that is at work in the nations today. And we can, can see it very, very easily. You know, I, I, would, I could bring one or two examples. Uh, if, uh, am I recorded? I'm a, I am, so. <laughs> I will not bring these examples. <laughs> Somebody came to me. Somebody came to me once, and he said, "You know, you cannot talk about this. Although it's in the Bible, you cannot say because you you would be in jail." So, okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you see, he says, <laughs> "It says uh, I I will discipline you." You know, with Israel, he disciplines Israel, but with the nations need to be careful. You remember uh, uh, in, in Joel, in the book of Joel, chapter 3. I'm going very fast on this, but Joel chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. It says, uh, I will bring the nations to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And there I will come to judgment against them. Because of what? Two things. Because of Israel, my people, whom they have dispersed. And because of my land that they have divided. Now what do the nations want to do today? Divide the land. It's exactly. You know you wonder. I mean the Bible is so clear today. It's so relevant for today. But still people don't understand. You know as, as your pastor says. Shema. Which means listen. <laughs> if we, we would just listen. To what the Lord says. He says, if he says, I will judge you concerning these two things. You know, can't you see the nations want to divide Jerusalem? East Jerusalem for the, the Palestinians. West Jerusalem for the, the Jews. They want to divide Judea and Samaria where King David was, was king of Israel. You know, divide it, go, give it to the Palestinians. Give the Gaza Strip to the Palestinians, to the Hamas. Uh, uh, South Lebanon to the Hezbollah and, and shrink as well so that it will be easily uh, overcome and, and divide the land. But God, said, God is not a God of division. In one, Psalm 122, he says, Jerusalem is a city closely compacted together. Uh, we love it that uh, Jews and Arabs live in Jerusalem today, together. You have, you go to the old city, you have the Armenian quarter, the Jewish quarter, the, the Christian quarter, and that's the way it goes. So, uh, Isaiah 27, has the Lord struck her as he, oh sorry, uh, verse 7. 
Has the Lord struck her as he struck down those who struck her? Has she been killed as those were killed who killed her? And the answer obviously is no. He has not the same uh, way to deal with Israel and with the enemies of Israel. And he's showing on the medias today in the, to the whole world how cruel the enemies of Israel can be. You know, ISIS is just one uh, example. But behind ISIS is the same spirit that was behind the Philistines that were enemies of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same spirit that is behind the Hamas and behind the Hezbollah and behind all the Al-Qaeda and all these terrorist organizations. The same spirit, and you can guess what spirit it is, but it is a spirit that attacks Israel. They, it's like the devil knows what many Christians ignore, that if he can attack Israel and, and focus on his uh, darts on, on Jerusalem, he knows that he will be, he will won, win not only the battle, but the war. But God will not let him do this because God has a plan. The question is, do we want to work, to participate in his plan or do we want to do, you know, do we want to go according to a humanist man, uh, mindset, you know, according to what we see on TV, the brainwashing that we hear on the radio and so on, you know, we, uh, as you said, we are not pacifists. We love peace, yes, but the peace of the Lord, not any peace. And many times Israel has been cheated in the Bible. And, and also in, in history, uh, by a false peace. You know, come to make peace, peace. You remember Sanballat when he, he called, uh, Nehemiah, come, I want to talk to you. Come, you know, leave your work, just come. And, and, uh, uh, the, the psalmist says, uh, uh, peace, they say peace, peace, but there is no peace, you know. We want the peace of the Lord. He is the Prince of Peace. And if it's not the Prince of the Peace of the Lord, and uh, the United Nations would come with their own peace process, and they would say, "Well, you see, if you want peace," they said in in you know in the past, they said to Israel, Israel was spread in South Lebanon. They say, "If you want peace, just withdraw from South Lebanon." And Israel, you know, naively thought, "Okay, that's a good idea. We're going to." Make a, make the first step toward peace. Withdrew from South Lebanon. Who came instead of them? Hezbollah, with their rocket launchers, you know. And then uh, the, the the second idea was: Well, you, we know that we don't have peace, but if you withdraw from the Gaza Strip, you will see. Then the peace process will stop. And naively again, Israel said: Well, let's then let's withdraw from the Gaza Strip. And we withdrew from the Gaza Strip. And there, the same place where we were uh, growing uh, uh, strawberries and flowers and exporting these to, to the world, guess what? The Hamas came, they destroyed everything, and they put rocket launchers. And they, they uh, dug tunnels to attack 
Israel. And now what we are told is, but if you divide Jerusalem, you will have peace. And this time the Israeli government says, I don't think so. <laughs> we got through it already and we learned from the past. Isaiah 40, uh, sorry, Isaiah, um, Isaiah uh, 54, verse, 40, verse 15. Isaiah 54, verse 15. If anyone does attack you, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. And this is why we saw uh, all of these uh, Israeli victories. It, it, it makes the, the world mad, you know. Israel always wins. <laughs> you know, all of these wars, they always win. Can't they lose a little bit, you know? It's, it's like, uh, oh yeah, we hear uh, the last war. Oh yes, but the, the casualties were disproportionate. Well, it, it's the Lord, when he, destroys, when he decides to destroy the enemy, he does it. And he does it well. What can we say? You know, we, we don't want to destroy people. But when people... Uh, uh, fire at you uh, from hospitals and kindergartens and, uh, and they put uh, bombs on, on their children and they send them. You know, our children are there fighting. My, my son was a soldier there. And so I would say, well, if somebody like that comes at you, you know, I want you back home. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's a question of defense. What can you do? These people are just crazy. They, they believe that by doing this, they will die and they will go to paradise and meet these, how many? Um, <laughs> 72 uh, um, virgins. Uh, I wonder what their wives would <laughs> say about it, but uh, you know, this is this is the, the Middle East. This is what we have, and and we we need to to know how we deal with it. <laughs> uh, then Deuteronomy seven verse nine. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is faithful. The faithful God. Keeping his covenant of love. To a thousand generations. Of those who love him. And keep his commandments. He has made a covenant of love with Israel. And you know of course. There, there is a parallel. He has made a covenant of love. With his church. But always as a parallel, you see Israel. It's like the, the parallel is between the spiritual and the earthly. But he has not yet done away with the earthly. You know, we're not yet in the new Jerusalem. He still works on the earth through his people. And he works in his church that he destined for the new Jerusalem. But he wants also this uh, second son to also go to the new Jerusalem. Uh, I mean, uh, it's like in, in the in the story of the prodigal son, you have the two sons. I believe that it's the church and Israel. 
you know, and uh, uh, it, it the, you know, the 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 Lord's the the Father's uh, desire is for these two sons to come to the table, and He wants to make a banquet for them. He wants to celebrate with them, but He wants both of them to be there, and so. Uh, he has a covenant of, of love and also a covenant of peace. And I want to perhaps uh, wrap up with this. Uh, Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 verses 9 and 10. And this is these are verses for uh, <clears throat> those who would have a, a doubt concerning God's Love for Israel. Uh, to me, this is like the days of Noah, when I saw that the waters of Noah would never, co- never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed. Yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. He's speaking to the Jewish people. And, and the, the Jewish people needs these words in order to go on, because after all these persecutions and wars, and after we, we hear that most of the nations are against Israel, you know, in order for these people not to lose faith, and not to lose hope, uh, we we need these words of, of comfort from the Lord. It's like the Lord is saying, "Be patient, you know. Be patient. You, you you come to discipline, but there is there is a plan. I have a plan. I have a plan for you, but through you. And His plan is uh, not only to bless Israel, but as I say, to bless the nation. Why am I saying this? I give you in a nutshell uh, one or two verses. You know, there is a verse that um, is not often preached. It comes from Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23. Not often preached because, you know, uh, there is the, 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 the sense that nothing good can, can come from the Jews. You know, But in Zechariah 8, 8.23, as I paraphrase, it says that uh, one day... Ten Gentiles or ten missionaries <laughs> would come to one Jew and would hold him by the mantle and would say, We want to follow you. Why? Because we have heard that God is with you. Ah, oh, we want to follow you. We, we want to, to learn something from you. And I, I, I truly believe that, uh, you know, in the same way as the church has helped the Jews, us, the Messianic Jews, to have this revelation of Jesus as our Jewish Messiah, there, there comes a time when the Jews have some riches. To Riches is the word that is used by Paul in Romans 11. What riches they will bring to the world, you know. And, and they... they have the mission to bring some riches, some roots to the world and to the church, roots that have been lost. I'll give you just for, just one example. It was about two weeks ago. The Feast of Tabernacle. 
You know, the Feast of Tabernacles is the Feast of the Lord. And in the, the, in the future, the nations will have to come to Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles, which means this feast has a spiritual meaning and a, a, a prophetic dimension that is interesting. It's ri- there is riches there. You know, it's, it, it's not that we should celebrate the feast in a legalistic way. But we should understand, you know, it's it's still in our in our in our Bible. Lord, what what, what do you mean the feast of Tabernacles? You know, live one week in booths? What do you mean by that? Spiritually, I mean, for us, for for our understanding, for our life, and 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 uh, these are the things that uh, you know. For instance, you you, you spoke about the uh, Sunday and then the uh, Gregorian calendar. You know, the first church in Jerusalem, in the book of Acts, they had the lunar calendar. The lunar calendar is the one that we see in the Old Testament. And so, when the church of Rome took over, uh, 200, 300 after Christ, uh, they decided to change the date of Passover. And there was a big uh, uh, controversy there. Why? Because... uh, some like Polycarp, for instance, who were, uh, uh, let's say, uh, disciples of, of the apostles, they said, but that's not right. You know, there is a reason why we want to, to keep the same date. It's because by keeping the same date, it falls on the first month of the year, biblical month, the, the month of Nisan. And then it's like, uh, Passover and not Easter, you know, according to the Bible, it's Passover means death passes over me because of the, the blood of the Lamb that I applied on the doorposts of my heart. Then I went through the Red Sea, which is the waters of baptism, and I went to a new life, you know, a new land. And everything is symbolical, and it's the beginning of the year which is symbolical, symbolical of the beginning of my new life. We were born again, you know. And so they, they said, no, don't change the date. You know, everything has its meaning. It, it's, it's symbolical. But they changed not only the date, the calendar, the whole calendar, in order to confuse, you know, uh, uh, people and to, and they they said you know the council of Laodicea for instance says uh, we um, those who Judaize they call it Judaizing uh, will be cut off from Christ you know it, it's not that we want to Judaize no um, the the Nicaea yeah okay yeah so. So, uh, it's not that we, no, we, no, we didn't come with a kippah and with a, but, uh, we, we just want to understand what is in our Bible. We don't, and we want to understand in the light of what the Lord is doing in Israel today, what the Lord is doing in the world today. And of course, I'm afraid that we will see more and more, uh, opposition to Israel because the devil uh, knows what he's doing also, you know. He, he is uh, an enemy and uh, uh, he knows that Israel is uh, uh, used by the Lord today. So anyway, this is what I wanted to, to share. But as I said, uh, um, you know, we, we, we brought uh, books. We brought about 20 books, but 
they all all gone. But you can. I will leave some of these uh, sheets here to uh, know for you to know how you can order it. It's free shipping. And uh, why am I? You know, the Lord led me to write this book in order to unveil a lot of truth concerning Israel, concerning God's plan for Israel, through Israel, the nations, the nations in Israel. It's important in our time to understand these things. So, you have an opportunity. And uh, also we brought some uh, artwork of uh, the ironic blessing that you can buy. It's, uh, our daughter uh, did it. And, uh, you know, it's it's... Something from Israel. I don't know if uh, I have, I don't know if we have time, it's okay for me, but if we have time, I have a short, I have a flash drive, and I have a, a 10 minutes video clip of our fellowship in Israel, and it tells you a little bit of our vision, and it shows you what the Lord is doing in Israel. I mean, we just one fellowship, there are Probably over 150 fellow messianic fellowships in Israel. The Lord is doing a work in Israel. It's developing, uh, and uh, you know it's good for for you to know a little bit where we're at, what the Lord is doing. Just tell us some, something about why they're setting it up. Something is, what's happening okay. in, uh, in regards to messianic believers? Yes. What they are facing. Well. It, uh, as I said, in uh, about uh, 40, between 40 to 50 years ago, the Lord started to touch the hearts of the Jews. And uh, uh, one, two, ten, hundred came to receive the Lord. And uh, uh, then we saw the, the first uh, Messianic fellowships in Israel, then it multiplied. And uh, especially after we had this big exodus from the former USSR, uh, the, the Jews came to Israel and they were very open to the gospel and many, many of them came to the Lord. And so this is, of course, we have still some persecution, but we feel in the last maybe two years that uh, we, fe- we feel a shift, you know, there has been a lot of prayer and we feel that more and more people learn to know who we are and, and learn to like us. And especially when, you know, the Israel has been uh, used to be rejected. It's the, yeah, the second one, yeah. Uh, and and when, when Christians come to Israel for a tour, for instance, and they, uh, they show love to the Jews, it has an impact on them. And they say, wow, you know, we don't understand. You know, we thought that the Christians were enemies of the Jews. This is history. But now we understand that there are Christians who love Israel. And this blows their mind away. And so... Uh, lately, he really um, 
gave us uh, his vision for uh, the, the Galilee and for, especially for the Tiberius. And um, it was a miracle that uh, we could uh, buy this property, this building in the center, of, very center of Tiberius. We're not there yet because we are still in the process of getting our permits and, and the process of uh, refurbishment, but we're very excited because um, he told us that um, our call for Tiberius would be to show the Jews that Yeshua is really uh, the Messiah of the Jews today, not just uh, 2,000 years ago, that he's not an, an important Messiah, that he comes from this land, and that he loves the Jews today. And we want to do this through our behavior to the Jews. And we also want this building to be uh, a, a house of prayer and of worship for all nations. So you will be uh, cordially invited to pray and to worship the Lord in this place. May the Lord bless you. My name is Enchi. I'm responsible for the youth in the Morning Star Fellowship. And I've been doing this for the last 10 years. We have seen much fruit. God works in their midst. And we see youth come to the Lord, others who return to faith. The basis of this work comes from a vision that I received from God. When I got released from the army, the Lord called me to work with the youth and he said to me, I will take you to a tent and will show you the heart of worship. And through this heart, I will bring back to me my sons and daughters. This is the word that I'm standing on and this is my goal. It is to build this tent of worship with youth. It is the place where they will be able to receive inspiration and love and they will know that they don't have to pay with their body in order to receive this love. But it is free love. It's God's love, real love. They will know that God's heart cries out to the children, his sons and daughters, to come back home. This is our ministry. And we called, we called it the vision of the, the eagles. For this is how God called it for us. Our goal is to build, to wait and see the return of the sons and daughters. We need you and your prayers. And we thank you for your prayers. Till our A few years ago, we felt the need to open a midweek prayer session. And I remember the evening when the three of us, Claude, my wife and myself, prayed in the courtyard. And we asked God to guide us and to show us 
and the fellowship, how important this matter is. Many years went by and I am thankful to God that this, to this day this meeting is alive and people come to pray and we have seen much fruit and many miracles that can be. We not only pray but also worship and this is a wonderful mixture. If the fellowship wants to succeed, it is important for us to know how to pray, why and when to pray. And I thank God that He gives us the opportunity to do this in our fellowship, apart from the Shabbat and the other meetings, to pray and see how we can change the atmosphere over the city and other situations through prayer. In the vision that we received from the Lord, there is a special road for worship in our fellowship. Worship is much more than just a part of our meetings. It's more than a ceremony. It's something that has an effect on the spiritual atmosphere, not only in the fellowship, but also in our city and in the whole region. It's something that we take as a spiritual weapon that we use to change the, the spiritual atmosphere in the area and to prepare a place for the coming of the Messiah. In this respect, we believe that the duty of the Levites, the worshippers, is very important. It's crucial in the spiritual warfare, in the battle, that is about to take place in the future. The Levites must take their musical instruments and stand before the army, as we can see in the scriptures. They stand with their instruments before the Lord in worship, and it's something that actually decides of the victory in the battle. So, in our fellowship, we don't just sing and play, we don't just praise on Shabbat, but it's something much more deeper and greater, and we, we do feel this. We invest much time in prayer, and the Lord gives us songs that we compose in Hebrew, and that we use in our fellowship. 
so that the Israeli people who come to the service will hear and understand that the worship is linked to Israel, that it is not some Christian religion that comes from the road, it's something that finds its place and has its roots here in Israel. invited welcome to Israel come to visit us uh, as I said we have uh, by grace by the God's grace we have bought a, a property in the very center of Tiberius uh, it took us six years to get the, the permit from the municipality because of the opposition but uh, two months ago we got the permit we we're in the process of uh, renovating the inside of the building and we hope that uh, we'll be there to at the beginning of next year. So uh, please pray for us and uh, you're welcome to as well. We love you. Bless you. <laughs> 